Good afternoon. You're listening to The Emily Rooney Show. It's the story that just won't go away. But now, for the first time, Democratic senatorial candidate Elizabeth Warren is at least trying to make it disappear, calling several columnists this week from both the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald, trying to explain why she was listed as Native American in a lawyer's guidebook and as a Harvard faculty member. One of the reasons the story won't go away is because she can't prove she has Cherokee heritage. She just knows it's true. But that hasn't been good enough for dogged reporters or, frankly, for the Scott Brown campaign. At any rate, it continues to overshadow the race as Democrats head to their state convention in Springfield this weekend. We've got that and more today on our Week in Review. And later, thumbs up, thumbs down on Mayor Michael Bloomberg's sugary drinks ban and Tom Brady's latest video. Everybody all set here in the studio. I'm joined here by the Boston Globe columnist Scott Lehigh, former state treasurer Shannon O'Brien, and journalist R.B. Scott, author of Mitt Romney, An Inside Look at the Man and His Politics. So the story that won't go away, I have to say, for the first time, and I've been actually kind of really, really interested in this story. I don't think it's a minor story. I think it's a, I think it's a big one. It may not be a big issue story. It's a good one. As of today, I'm officially sick of it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> did you just she, wake up? The sun <laughs> I, came I did. Up I just okay, woke up. It's sick, over. Sick of it. It's so over. For but me. I mean, she called Brian McGrory yesterday. Apparently, they talked for half an hour. She talked to uh, Peter Gelzinis the day before, and Peter had a piece. She really wants, she wants this to go away. She's trying to address it. The problem is, she's fumble bumbled this thing for the past five weeks, and now nobody can really even sort the thing out. You're, you're looking pained, Scott. I got to say, I'm not one who thinks this is an overwhelming story. It's vaguely interesting. But the way I feel about this is show me the proof that she used this to get a job she didn't deserve. I don't see that. I mean, Hmm. Charles Freed, who who is a... A staunch Reagan Republican who was, you know, on the hiring who voted committee, for Scott Brown. Who voted for? Yeah, said, look, this isn't why we hired her. The thing was out there. They evidently offered her a job um, the first time around when she had listed it, and she went back to Rutgers, and then she came back. I, I just don't, you know, I, I think it's. Um, I, let me put it this way: it, it will be nice to know all the facts. She hasn't handled it all that well. I just don't think it's of amazing but consequence. Is, but is, let me one yeah. more point. I, I. I, I is anyone in this room really going to decide his or her vote on the next United States senator on whether or not Elizabeth Warren listed rightly or wrongly um, Indian heritage? I, I, there are so many issues. I out think here. it's possible. Well, I mean, I, I think it's I, possible. A lot of people it will not will. be an intelligently decided well, vote. I'll say as, that. As Brian McGrory said, and it's kind of the, the question is why, and that's it keeps coming back to that. Why put it down if it wasn't to your advantage? It was certainly. To Harvard's advantage to have her listed Agreed. as Native American. That's true. Yes, but but we have no but those proof are two it was different to points. Advantage. Whether it was to Harvard's advantage or to her advantage, you know, I, I I think that I think that the the real issue here is is how you handle things, and 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 people forget because she's been in the public eye for so much. She's been a forceful speaker, you know, on pro consumer issues. Um, that you know she has one hundred percent experience and understanding. The minute you become a candidate for statewide office, but not even like treasurer or auditor, but when you're running for governor or you're running for Senate, one of the sort of more central races uh, in a campaign where the press really cares, it's how you handle it. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking Scott Brown, you know, had a troubled childhood, was involved in criminal, you know, issues as a young person. He handled that story by being out front yep. with it. He turned it into a positive redemption story. And so here was a guy who basically committed crimes, but he turned it into a positive story and has used it as part of the image that he's created in the press. And I think that it was because he was ready. He understood. He knew he needed to handle it. Here, I, I think that she's gotten some very bad advice. And I think that part of it was they may not have been prepared for this. They may have not done all the research they needed to do um, about her and about her background. And the first thing you do when you're a candidate is you do opposition research on yourself. And 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 then you get prepared for whatever can be thrown at you. And I think that they may have fallen down on the job on her behalf on this in this instance. You know, we, we see the the same thing happening on the on the presidential election where where Mitt Romney has not really properly vetted himself and it's come back to haunt him a number of times. His mm-hmm. his uh, his bullying thing in in uh, Michigan, uh, the fact in South Carolina that cost him made the the primaries go on longer than it should have. His silly answer on ta- are you going to release your taxes? And he said maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the kind of testing we do of our candidates is legitimate. And I think you're, you're right that 
we're, you're looking to see how she's going to handle it, how her people are going to handle it. Is she fit for office? Uh, it's going to be a tough election for her. I think Scott Brown is a formidable ca candidate, a lot more formidable than we thought a few years a few years ago. And they're going to grind away at this particular uh, flaw for, for quite some time to come. Whether it has legs and will continue on, I, I, I don't know. But I, I but agree I, with Scott. I agree with, that, I agree with Scott. Scott I, I it's think it's that, a non-issue. I think that she has – she's basically taken responsibility for having been the person who first raised the issue. Uh, she's, you know, done that. I, I, I think that – you know, again, I think all of us have certain stories maybe in their background or, or past – you know, that, that maybe you just, you, you believe it is fact. It's part of your family. And, and I don't think you're going to convince her of anything other than that because she believes what her family heritage is, whether or not there's a document to prove something like that. I don't think you're you going to convince I, her otherwise. I'm from, I'm from the West originally. And, yeah. I, and I, I thought everybody from Oklahoma had Native American blood in them right, exactly, of some sort or another. Exactly. That's just kind of part, part of the folklore. It's a so. given. It's a given uh, in it, your it's family not, heritage. It's not a big and she's deal. proud but, of it. And, you know, I think that she, and, and she has every right to be proud of it. Back to Scott's point, though, about was anybody going to vote on this and no. what, what difference does it make? I disagree with that. Mm. I think that that the endorsement by Deval Patrick on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day that week this was, was an act of desperation because it's in advance of the state prime, uh, excuse me, the state Democratic convention this weekend. Um, endorsing a candidate, there, there is another person in the race. Marisa DeFranco is in the race. She'll probably get her fifteen percent. But they're saying, "All right, come on, everybody, let's do this now." I mean, it's it's a signal. It's a signal to his I troops. Thought. No, I don't, I don't think it's desperation. As in, <laughs> this story is killing her. If you look at the Suffolk University poll, it showed that. Most people think it's a, a gigantic ho hum. They they just don't think it's that a big deal. That was until the Globe got into it. You know oh. what? It was mostly a Herald story. I'm, I guarantee you, Scott, yeah. that's going to change. I, I, the I Globe will say, has I had a front page the last two days. I think she's misplayed it with a Herald and not talking to them. I think that's 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 silly. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And and I, I think that the you know the Herald's exacting a certain revenge on her. Yeah, for exactly. It. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, think? What, I think what the governor what the governor was saying there was you know saying it while pretending he wasn't saying it is. Look, okay, my troops rally around, knock this other person off the ballot, so so she can focus on Scott Brown and doesn't have a diversionary primary um, all, all the way through September. I think that was pretty clearly the message there. And I think from her standpoint, from the Democrats' standpoint, that's important to have happen because the, the election is going to be a tough one, uh, no matter how you shake and bake it. And and the sooner uh, it's clear that she's got the nomination, the the, the more form formidable a candidate she's going to be. Yeah, oh. and I and I agree with Scott. I think it's less an act of desperation than it's like, okay, everybody take a deep breath and focus on not only the bigger issues but the bigger fish to fry. The interesting thing for me will be to see whether she addresses it at all in her acceptance speech for the nomination this weekend. Anybody want to bet on that? I think she's going to announce that she's going to file to open a casino. <laughs> that's a good one. Now that's somebody else's now, joke. That would be a good joke. <laughs> I'm stealing that. You stole it. That would be a good one, though. If she did that, that would be, you know, could cut through some of the... And Andy's even giving credit for having stolen the line. Very good. He's, this is this. You're handling it perfectly, Scott. All right. So this uh, week, we also saw a couple of operatives, big-time operatives, come into town. Uh, David Axelrod, who's been kind of the number one uh, um, presidential aide for... Uh, well, campaign uh, operative, I should say, for President Obama, both in the first election and now, was in town yesterday. He was on the State House steps. He was trying to uh, give a message about Mitt Romney, but here's what a lot of us heard on the news last night. Massachusetts stumbled under Governor Romney. He brought the or uh, orientation of a financial engineer whose career has not been about generating... And, of course, those were the Romney operatives out in force chanting and, you know, dumping down, tamping down anything that uh, David Axelrod had to say. So then he uh, responded after he got a, tried to get a word in. You can shout down speakers, my friends, but it's hard to etch a sketch the truth away. <laughs> that was a good line. However, I have to say one thing. I thought the whole thing was lame beyond belief. Their, their, uh, their new video uh, that includes people like the, the, you know, the, the mayor of, the one-time mayor of... Um, North Adams and Joe Curtitone, and it, it, it was lame. And also, it didn't really say anything about Romney's record. It talked about um, job creations, job creation, and the unemployment rate and stuff like that. But, but you know, like governor is so distant from those. But some of the things that he actually did were not included in. That was very, very weak. And if that's the best you can do, you got a long ways to go. 
I agree with you there, boy. I, I tell you, when, when your headliner is uh, is Tim Murray and John Barrett, it John really, Barrett. It, it really, John Barrett maundered on. It was kind of self-referential yeah. about him. He went on it was just so it was former excruciatingly mayor of it was painful. Uh, uh, and then they, you know, the Romney people had kind of erected a, a counter blitz there, so they they sort of shouted them down. And I didn't think the points were well taken. I, I think it, um, uh, Ryan Williams, who, who's a, the Gov's former, you know, one of his guys, and, and Rick Gorka came in and and put that together. And I think they certainly neutralized the video the, you're talking about. No, the the, oh, the, uh, the, count, the counter yeah. demonstration. I think they they uh, they certainly neutralized the message. Yeah, I, totally. I I, I, but I I talked to Axelrod a little bit afterwards and said, you know, this seems a little tinny to me. And he said, well, you know. <laughs> Um, we're going, he kind of, he sort of said it's important that people know the message, but I, I think they, they need to compare national yes, po- policies exactly. and, and the, the, the Romney record. I mean, to say it was a disaster. It's untrue. It's not really true. Not true. I, I think that the really interesting bit of news is that Romney on the stump actually said, we sent the hecklers. I've never heard a candidate acknowledge <laughs> That they sent hecklers. I mean, I was on the receiving end of some of that 10 years ago where people, I mean, I almost got knocked down. But he didn't send but, the hecklers to you no, 10 he, uh, years well, ago. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I mean, can you imagine a candidate for president saying, yes, we sent the hecklers to go and shout them down? I mean, that the real story is the sort of overall coarseness mm. that we're going to see in an unprecedented fashion in this year's campaign. And, you know, I I just was really surprised. We all know that that campaigns, you know, sometimes engage in that kind of behavior, that it is orchestrated. But for the candidate who wants to be president himself saying that I sent hecklers to scream um, at other speakers, that that was the thing that I thought, not just about the, 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 the Republican campaign, but just the sort of whole campaign in general in 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 how sort of scary it's going to be going into the fall. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, one of the things that concerns me is is uh, we're in such a critical time as a, as a country right. that my, my, my mother's advice, can't we all get along, comes to mind. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, David D'Alessandro said it really well. We've got the two smartest guys who ever ran uh, for president against each other since Nixon and Kennedy back in 1960. And it really would be refreshing to see uh, the two smartest guys have uh, a campaign that was above the table and uh, intellectual and uh, where, the, where the issues were the focus of the campaign. But I don't think we're going to see that. No. I, I mean, for one thing, you got so many dopes involved, including <clears throat> Donald Trump, who endorsed uh, Mitt Romney this week and once, a, once again brings up the old birther issue that Obama wasn't born in this country. So he got into a little uh, back and forth the other day with uh, CNN's Wolf Blitzer. Donald, Donald, you're, you're beginning to sound a little ridiculous, I have to no, tell you. I think you. you are, Wolf. I, let me tell you something. I think you sound ridiculous, and if you'd ask me a question and let me answer it. Here's the question. Making... Did the conspiracy start in 1961 when the Honolulu Star Bulletin and the Honolulu Advertiser contemporaneously published announcements that he was That's born right. in Hawaii? That's right. Many people did it. <laughs> what? Many people were in on the conspiracy, I guess he's trying to say. Uh, he's, uh, Donald Trump's the, 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 the definition of a non sequitur. Uh, I know, but just to your point for a few seconds ago, I mean, these are the people, for, well, the media goes t- to them. for He gets in, he, he, he endorses a candidate, the media goes and gets commentary, it resurfaces all this. I was amazed that, that Mitt would appear with him. He is an errant buffoon and, and a kook, too. Now, I mean, I, I suppose there might have been a period where if you were a person who was a vast skeptic, you could say, well, I have some doubts. Uh, but, I mean, now if you if you are doubting that, that Barack Obama was born in Hawaii, you are, by definition, a kook. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is, by definition, a kook. And the fact that Mitt <laughs> Romney would, would let Trump kind of enfold him in, in his just buffoon embrace, I find it just mind-numbing. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a follow the money kind of issue. I, Romney, even before he, he embraced Obama, before he embraced Trump, said that he had disavowed the, the birther issue, uh, and I, I don't see Romney buying into the birther part of it. But he he does need the scratch to run for office, and that's he I needs, think that's what it's all about. Does he need with both. that much money from Donald Trump? Yeah, I, I think you, you've got to you've got to take whatever is there and figure out a way to incorporate that, and, and also bring the people that are that are supporters of Trump, I suppose, into into the into the uh, onto your team. Same thing is true with Shelley Adelson. That, that even though uh, 
I think there are some political similarities there. Shelley is is big on Israel. Romney is big on Israel. So there's there's he's the billionaire Las Vegas casino owner who we say was backing Newt Gingrich and is now backing Mitt Romney. Right, and he's he's from he's from Massachusetts. Yeah, first name base with him. I call him Sheldon. How about you, <laughs> Sheldon? Sheldon. Like, uh, RB over here is calling him Shelley. You know, no, I did did some work for him a number of no, years. I, ago. I got the impression you knew him better than I did. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, and I think that we, we've talked about this on your show before, the whole issue of Citizens United and some of these, you know, he, he was involved in some of the independent expenditures. Uh, Who for, was? For, um, Sheldon yeah. Adelson was for, for, uh, for Newt Gingrich. Um, that that it, it, the, the voices of some of these really wealthy people, regardless of how crazy or, um, you know, radical some of their positions may be, um, it, 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 it could force some of the candidates to take um, to adopt some of these positions or hang around with these folks that, that they might not otherwise want to do. I don't know. I, I, I think that the money, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the money is so important right now that it uh, maybe makes candidates uh, not stand up to people who are bullies like Tromney, Romney or, you know, like Adelson, who has some positions that may be a little bit more out of the mainstream. One of the things I think Mitt really should do, uh, you watched him when Rush Limbaugh went after the young woman on the contraception thing, and he said, well, that's not the language I would have used. Uh, and then when the the woman said something nutty at one of his rallies that Obama should be tried for, for you know whatever oh, yeah. it was and, uh, and and this he needs to stand up and rebuke those people not and just say well you know not not kind of just keep them at, at half an arm's distance and say well that's not what I would have said but make let people know that he thinks that they are affirmatively wrong and he finds that Can't objectionable and I don't think that's in meant to do that no. and I think that's I think that's it's very not. unfortunate. It, it, uh, you're absolutely right. It, it's just not in his character to, 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 to lead people back to the middle, for instance. He, he, he veered right with the idea of getting along with people. He avoided confrontations on the, uh, with, with, uh, on the, the young woman that was... That was uh, uh, Sandra Fluck. Thank you. I could think of her oh, name. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not that he buys into those arguments, but he just doesn't want to make waves. And uh, it's an unfortunate thing. And it, it, it probably accounts for the fact that he has gone sharply to the right... Uh, hopefully, as the election unfolds, he'll move back toward the center of the road, but I, I, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But don't you think the centrists would, would would respect him more if he would say, oh, come on, this is nonsense? They would. They, would. they would. They absolutely would. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't leave this segment without talking about something that I'm going to bring up tonight on Beat the Press because it just struck me as being so obvious that within the last two weeks, both the Boston Globe and the New York Times had front page articles about Mitt Romney's religion. I did some uh, research, and it's shocking how many stories have been done, not just front page, but on Mitt Romney and religion just in the year since he um, uh, announced tomorrow it would be a year that he announced his uh, candidacy for the presidency. And as I am going to say tonight, there are at least the ninth or tenth best front page stories I've read this year alone. I mean, the media's fascination with Mormonism is just something I, 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 I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm going to say it. I mean, I think it's because they're befuddled and there's some things in there that they find amusing and it's, it's, an, it's an opportunity to bring up this stuff and maybe even belittle and make fun of it. I, I mean, that's what I believe. Well, I mean, I, I, think, that, um, I think that you've seen, especially um, in, in the primary season, um, many of the, the, the dominant voices in some of these more conservative states uh, you know, come from religious backgrounds where they, I think they don't see Mormonism as a truly Christian I'm religion. About the media. No, I'm talking about the media too, but I'm just saying I think that where a lot of this started um, is that there has been some skepticism from some of the further right, you know, religious uh, parts of our country. And and I do think that the media, and, 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 you know, has taken a look at this. I think that there is a curiosity, and I do think that there is a sense of sort of mocking and, and mm-hmm. what is this, and I don't understand it. I do. But, but I got to say, as someone who's not a particularly religious person, I do not think religion should be off limits. I think oh, it's I don't interesting either. to know what informs a person's point of view and to what degree they are empirical and rational and to what degree know, they're, but, they're okay, faith-based. Scott, let me bring yeah. this up. They keep saying this thing about 14-year-old Joseph Smith d- discovering these yeah. tablets that you know become the Book of Mormon. It's these commandments that you would. They don't ask other people candidates whether they believe that Moses really found the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. That's true. They keep Mm. going after as if that's so ridiculous 
and the Ten uh, Commandments aren't. Well, it, there, there is this distinction. The absurdities of most religion are are pushed back into the mists of antiquity, you know, and yes. they're treated kind of as metaphor. Because it's ancient history they, as opposed right. to 1820. Right, and this is what happened in you know, the 1820s and 1830s in Palmyra, New York, and it, it's a little, you know, it, it's, do you really believe that happened? Yeah. Do you, you know, I, I think I, it's one of those things that I have, I, with a, I remember asking the, the voters in Iowa, do you really, they're saying, well, we, we want God to show us how to vote. So, guys, do you really think he's interested in who yeah. you vote in? But, but except in the Republican primaries, you know, it's the candidates themselves that have also been bringing up religion. I mean, you know, when you think about you know, when you think about, uh, you know, Rick Santorum, I mean, I mean, there are many different yeah, candidates, agree. you know, who basically will tell you that God is informing on a daily basis their choices. Which scares me. And, which scares that me, too. Scary. And 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 so, uh, you know, I, I do think, not that I'm saying that I, I don't think that it's necessarily unfair, but I do think that what we've seen in this Republican primary is an incredible focus on religion. Who is the most religious? Who appeals to this very powerful wing of that that party? Um, and, and I do think that that, that has perhaps resulted in the media sort of saying, okay, how does this inform, uh, you know, those decisions that perhaps Mitt Romney might I make? will say, I don't see any evidence that Mitt, you know, he might be deeply no. biased, but I don't see any evidence that he takes his cue from his religion. No, not at all. Maybe a teeny bit in the whole American exceptionalism idea, which I think is a is a, a Mormon mm-hmm. idea, but it's also a Republican idea. So I don't have that worry with him, which is why I really haven't written about it at all. But, uh, you know, I, with Rick Santorum, I mean, good yeah. God, he did, you know, he, he was so <laughs> certain that he had a pipeline to, to divinities. <laughs> All right, talking to the Boston Globe, Scott Lehigh, former state treasurer Shannon O'Brien, and R.B. Scott, journalist and author of Mitt Romney, an inside look at the man and his politics. We're going to move on and respond to some of your emails, tweets, and Facebook messages as we do every Friday. And we'll continue our roundup of this week's top news headlines. You're listening to The Emily Rooney Show from 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. This program is made possible thanks to you and the Babson MBA Fast Track program. You can discover what it means to be an entrepreneurial leader. More information available June 8th at the MBA Visitor Program at the Wellesley Campus. Babson.edu slash Fast Track. And the Museum of Science, now showing To the Arctic, presented by Warner Brothers Pictures and IMAX. A story of love, family, and survival in the harshest place on Earth. Tickets and more info online at mos.org. And from members of the Ralph Lowell Society, these most generous annual contributors lead the way in sustaining WGBH as a public media resource, available and free to all. WGBH.org slash Ralph Lowell. You know, it's a funny thing about ballparks. About 90% of every ballpark in the world is, is not so much real estate or actual ball games that are being played, but uh, a kind of peculiar folk history. Where it began. That peculiar folk history is the stuff of WGBH's Fenway Fridays. One hundred years of legend and history of Fenway Park. Fridays on WGBH's Morning Edition. Hi, my name's John, and I'm a WGBH sustainer. Sustainers like John break their gifts down into monthly installments that automatically renew. That helps 89.7 plan better, and better plans mean fewer fundraisers. And that's why John is responsible for this hour of programming coming to you fundraiser free. Thanks, John. Support WGBH as a sustainer online at WGBH.org. dream where you're swimming in money, like actual cash? Yeah, you, Scrooge McDuck, and lots of other folks. We'll find out what it means this week on Marketplace Money. You're listening to the Emily Rooney Show. It's time to take a look into our email bag as we do every Friday. On Wednesday, I interviewed the Boston Globe's Kay Lazar, who recently reported on the widespread use of prescription antipsychotic drugs in nursing homes on people who haven't been diagnosed, by the way, with any kind of mental illness. That prompted Andre to write us, 
I fully agree that there are major shortcomings in our health care system, especially for our geriatric population. Antipsychotic usage is inappropriate in many instances. There is certainly a ton of regulation in this area. Unfortunately, there isn't the necessary staffing to carry it all out. I look forward to a future show on these topics. Hmm, I wonder if Andre works in a nursing home. Yesterday, I spoke with our resident foodie, the Atlantic Monthly's Corby Comer, on our Facebook page. Susan had this to say, I like listening to Corby. He has a good take on the food industry. Thanks for the good show today. Hey, thanks, Susan. We like Corby, too. And we like every email, well, almost every email, from our listeners. <laughs> Send them to emily at wgbh.org or visit us at our website at wgbh.org slash Emily Rooney. Now, back to the news of the week. I'm joined here in the studio by journalist uh, R.B. Scott, former state treasurer Shannon O'Brien, and Boston Globe columnist Scott Lehigh. Well, we had a little pool going in our miniature newsroom upstairs <laughs> about the outcome of the John Edwards trial. I was betting on um, not guilty on all seven or nine or however many of the charges there were. I, nobody won, unfortunately, because uh, he was only fa- acquitted on one charge and the rest was, a, uh, as, we, as we all know, uh, a deadlocked jury. What do you think, Scott? Is this is the government going to take this thing back? No, I, I can't imagine they'll retry this. I think this is really uh, was a a large waste of money. John Edwards had all, already been tried in the court of public opinion, True. I think, and, and found guilty <laughs> to be kind of a cad. <laughs> uh, I, I can't imagine they'll they'll go back at it. I just think, you know, there's disgraceful behavior, which is what he engaged in, um, and illegal behavior, and you have to look at the law. And, and I think basically they um, I think they stretched a little bit when they tried to bring these charges against him. But the good news is I thought he um, acknowledged his behavior mm-hmm. in a, in a very – I won't say heartfelt because I don't know what is in this guy's heart, obviously. But um, I think that uh, he, um, he, he is disgraced, and I think he's not going to come back from that. And that's what I think people would like to see. I think I think that's exactly right. It's a, it's a, it's good to have it behind us, and you know, I'm tired of, of watching it. It's a terrible story, and uh, it, it's I don't see it coming back on the table. I, I, I got to say, a part of me wants to know yeah. if, if he is still with Real Hunter. Yeah. I would like I, I would like to know Scott, that. Yeah, I've yeah. asked that question a dozen yeah. times, and everybody looks at me square in the eye and says, "No, they're not together." I say, "How do you I know think they that?" Probably might okay, be, yeah. everyone in this newsroom doesn't read National Enquirer like I do. Okay, so okay. what's no, the story? No, no, but, hey, I'm but just, I was part I, of the I, People I think, Magazine founding group. So I, I, I know. Well, <laughs> so what do they say? I think that I've read some some articles in the past that that said that they had been together. But the the interesting thing about his apology yesterday, the one that kind of made me want to throw up, is talking about how much he loved his dear little Quinn. And and for some reason, that was the thing that made my skin crawl the most. And again, she is the, the innocent baby. victim mm-hmm. and the cutest thing. If you, you know, you've seen some of the pictures in, in yeah. People magazine How old is she and others. Now? I think she's like four, four, four or something five, like yeah. that. Yeah. Four or five. But he obviously has to have some relationship with her if he's truly in this child's life. Oh, so, I think he sees her. Yeah, yeah. No, I've read somewhere that he sees her. Well, they both so live in North Carolina. Yeah. Right. And she's yeah. living near him and, and yeah. the whole thing. So, And he should see her as well. That's, sure. that's his yeah. responsibility yeah. and, and yeah, uh, his, sure this was her, his own children. I know, but it was just, I thought it was just kind of creepy. It was almost like self-congratulatory about how much he loved this More than dear you can little ever know. child <laughs> when he had basically just denied her, you know, her paternity. Know. So that, that was of, of the entire you know, interaction that he had with the press yesterday. And, and I have to say, you know, thinking, looking at his daughter, you know, he, he did do, uh, I think, a, a, a good thing yesterday by acknowledging how patient his older daughter has been staying by him this whole thing. I mean, I think that she, um, you know, deserves an award for bravery. Yeah. On, on the other hand, the government hates to lose a case. And essentially, this will appear as though the government lost the case. And you recall, the government went back at Roger Clemens after that first mess up at the trial where there was some evidence that was introduced or something and they had to scuttle the first trial. So it's possible they'll go back. It is, although generally I think what the government's doing with Clemens is perjury and the Mm. court system and judges are really adamant about prosecuting perjury um, because in, in particularly in, in depositions and that kind of thing, because it um, it, it speaks to the integrity of the the, the system. So I, I think that there there's that difference. I, I don't think there's a. I mean, you could argue that everyone everyone who's convicted of a crime who's claimed he's innocent could be perjury. liable for perjury pro- prosecution. But I, I I don't think that there's there's that 
uh, opening here on Edwards. So I, I think they'll drop it. I just can't imagine. I think it looks really bad for them to have wasted as much money as they have. Mm. How big is the pool? Do we get in on yeah, this? Yeah, get in. <laughs> get in. Well, I don't know. I got, yeah, some of them, I've got to get my money back. Yeah. Nobody won on this. All right. All right. So this week, also the first uh, district uh, court uh, right here in Boston um, struck down DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, which defines marriage as a union between uh, a man and a woman. Um, which, of course, limits federal benefits like Social Security and ability to file joint taxes and that kind of thing. Appeals Court Judge Michael Boudin wrote the unanimous decision for a three-judge panel. Once again, not a surprise. This whole gay marriage thing is just moving faster than I think any of it. At first, it, it seemed to be really slow, and now it just seems like it's just taken off. I mean, it's, it's the, the, the Supreme Court is going to strike this down, and before you know it, I, I think every state probably within the next 10 years, will have some form of legalized same-sex marriage. I, I, th- I think that's right. Uh, and it was, it was uh, intriguing to note that both uh, two of the judges that, 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 vo- that unanimously voted down the, the DOMA Act here in Massachusetts, uh, the federal part yeah. of it, uh, were appointees by Reagan, one by, I think, by Bush was the other one. Uh, so we have two conservatives saying this has no constitutional basis, it should be gone. I wish they'd get it resolved because it's it's tearing it's the, the, the country yeah. apart, polarizing us in ways we don't need to be polarized. Mm-hmm. What I what I wish would happen. It's not like abortion, which will never be solved. No, this, th- this one could be, be solved, yeah. and and uh, Scott will be the may may agree with me. It would be really nice if, if if along the way, now that we've made marriage a religious issue, if we got government out of the marriage business and into uh, the, the issue of forming domestic par- partnerships legal domestic partnerships and leave the marriage part to the couple and whatever religious but, group but they can get is, the I sanction. Think, this is, I think, a, the, 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 I think, the crux of the issue is that initially, it, it's almost like a branding thing. Initially, this was perceived as a religious issue because I would say that the majority of the people in this country are married through some sort of a religious ceremony. I, I actually have a civil union. I was not married um, in in the you know in a religious ceremony, and and I think that as people look at this more as a case of equal rights and civil rights, and and especially you know. The, the sort of images in the media, we've, we've sort of seen this more and more as sort of accepted. Um, I, I think that it will sever the sort of religious definition and the legal definition. And I think that as more people in their heads sever it religiously and legally, I think that it makes it easier for a majority of people to accept. It's it's a very odd issue that, that you sometimes you'll, you'll talk to people and they'll say, I think they should have the, the completely the same rights. And you say, well, so you're for gay marriage. And they say, no, I just don't want it called marriage. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's semantics. It's, it's just the symbolism semantics. of the word. Is that what you care yes. about? I mean, yes. I, I got to say, this is an issue that, that I, I think now you're seeing people who who used to be opposed to it, they're saying, oh, I don't really care that much about that, which means my my opposition has faded. And I, I think that you know people change over time. It mm-hmm. t- takes a little while, but they've gotten used to the notion. Well, and, yeah. and, 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 and the arguments that it was somehow going to uh, disrupt the whole fabric of marriage in society, I mean, it's just borne out to be blatantly untrue. Or that it was going to threaten heterosexual marriage. Why How? would that be? <laughs> it's just silly. Yeah, and it's yeah. great coming out of people like, oh, I don't know, Newt Gingrich's yeah. mouth, you know? So, anyway. <laughs> All right, moving on. We got to talk about Kurt Schilling one more time. Kurt Schilling and uh, Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chafee playing the blame game over who's to be responsible for the fact that uh, Kurt Schilling couldn't meet his payroll. <laughs> I mean, I, I said you this last week. should auction the red sock and he'd be all <laughs> set. Yeah, yeah. Now you I have some sympathy idea. for Kurt Schilling on this. And I know Massachusetts is gloating because they didn't take the, you know, the bait on the deal, which was a lot of taxpayer dollars that were put into this industry, you know. It's growing jobs. It's, and, and growing jobs. <laughs> you know, some, I had um, got a guy named Tim Lowe from Mass Digi on the other night, and he was saying the problem was the, the kind of sniper mentality that Rhode Island uh, entered into, that if they had kind of done a real thorough base of investing in uh, video gaming, they might have been a whole lot better off. But it's just the fact that they only did Kurt Schilling, so they had all their eggs in this one basket, which is what really killed them. But I don't think it was such a dopey uh, investment in the first place. 
Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it was necessarily a dopey investment. I don't really understand, um, you know, ultimately what the deal was and what they were trying to get. I, I think that the the only problem that I see for Kurt Schilling is you don't bite the hand that no. feeds you. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, Governor Chafee was trying to, because this was not his deal, um, I think he was trying to go into it. And I think he was trying to um, negotiate something while maintaining a little bit of arm's length. Um, you know, about the original decision that was made. And I think that Kurt Schilling jumped the gun, got mad. Um, and, you know, then, you know, you see uh, things sort of unraveling down there. I think that they might have actually been able to figure out some sort of a solution until everyone got mad at one another, which is which is unfortunate. Although the job issue, if you've been reading some of the coverage, all of those people who got jobs, they are getting snapped up left and right because this is such, you know, yes, a burgeoning exactly. industry. Right. So maybe they're not going to lose those jobs after all. So maybe the investment in Rhode Island wasn't such a stupid thing in the first place because those people will all have jobs. Are they all in Rhode Island? Well, they're all jobs? currently in Rhode Island. I don't know where they're going to go, or I don't know whether yeah. there will be some others either in Massachusetts come, or Come Rhode back Island to Massachusetts middle. to work. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So maybe it was really clever on Massachusetts' part that those guys go down, get those jobs, come back, and they'll be working in Massachusetts again. Who knows? It's still not clear to me how, if at all, he's going to restructure this thing because he's saying it's not a dead dead deal, but how is it not Well, be? from what you read about it, and I do not purport in any way to be an expert on on digital, you know, online games, but but I, I read, I did read a long piece on it that said it would be very, be very hard because it's got to be maintained on an expensive server and it's an interactive game that has to be reprogrammed and and they, people were skeptical that that uh, it was something that was was salvageable. He doesn't own the game either. That's the other part of this. So he he doesn't have. The but there's got to be some game. intellectual property no, or something in there. No, it belongs to there. somebody else. But so, so, oh, so the actual game is not his intellectual property. But so he has no value at all. Not, not in that game, oh, the okay. one that he was developing, mm-hmm. or the other one that he was developing in Maryland. Hmm, okay. So, I mean, he had the infrastructure in place, the development part of it, but not the not not the game itself. Hmm. So I think that's a problem. From the very beginning, the whole thing has sounded to me like a, a decision that Rhode Island made based on Schilling's name yes uh, yeah yeah and whenever you do that you take your chances and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and this is one where they seem to seem to have lost all right i want to just touch on one other story that's in the news this week this is the case of this kid uh, aaron devereaux is facing charges that including negligent motor vehicle homicide causing injury in a crash he's being charged it's a case in hamilton is being tried up there texting while driving i I don't know why I, i I'm feeling uneasy about this case, maybe because it's a first and they seem to be going after him on a principle. I mean, it was a terrible accident. Clearly, the kid was distracted. I I don't know whether he was texting or he crossed over a median divider and killed uh, one individual and injured another. I I don't know. But but I guess maybe it's because they're going after something so specific that he was texting. Well, that's the new law. As opposed to reckless. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, I think that's the new law. And, and I, you know, obviously this is a tragedy and, and he, he caused this. And, and I, I guess I get a sense of discomfort when people talk about we're making this an example for someone else. I always get a little bit uncomfortable yeah. um, when they actually use, when they actually frame it, um, you know, in that context. But the fact is it's, it's a growing problem in this, you know, in this state and in this country. Um, and more and more kids, I mean, you know, my 12-year-old daughter, she has a phone. I mean, you know, I go and look in a room at 1030 at night and I have to scream because she's like under the covers yeah, yeah. and she's doing this and I have to take <laughs> the phone away from her. And, and it's become so, so much an extension. I mean, of, of these young kids and teenagers that they can't stop doing it. Um, you know, I, I basically once say to her, why don't you pick up the phone and call people? Oh, no, no, I text them and then I call them. So I think that oh, we almost can't understand how pervasive this is mm-hmm. and what a dangerous threat he, is. This kid apparently had already 600 texts S- that, that day. day. That day. It's yeah. scary. I was at dinner last night in a, in a very nice restaurant, and there were four women sitting at the, the table next to us. And, Presumably, presumably there to have nice conversation and so forth. All four no. had had their phones out and they were texting. My daughter will be texting her best friend while, while, while they're, right while they're at dinner at a, a very expensive restaurant. Right and, yes, and, and some restaurants to, don't allow that. 
which I, yeah. I kind of favor that too. It's like that's just rude. Yeah, well, no, it's if, terribly rude. If, if, as long as they're not, I, I mean, I'd much mm. rather have someone texting someone while they're eating than I would have someone on phone. yakking on the phone. I, I mean, uh. as long as it doesn't, as long as it doesn't intrude into your space or cause you harm, it, it's what John Stuart Mill would have called self-directed behavior. But in, and I and I don't <laughs> see why you regulate it. But in this case, this kid did something which killed someone, and you, it, I think people are a little leery of calling that. Homicide, homicide, you know, yeah. saying it's a, it's a murder essentially, but it, it because that you always think of intent with murder, but this is something where he he did cause a horrible tragedy, and and there has to be some price. He caused it not through intent but through negligence. Does it but it's matter like, if it's he like was a texting? manslaughter thing. Well, I mean, it, it, you could say it, it would be the same as distracted driving, mm-hmm. but or drunk or driving, drunk driving, or, drunk, drunk driving. But those are crimes too. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I guess I'm just a little bit of a softie on that. Although I. Think I think should... that it's some of the language around yeah, it that it made it. it sound like it was a lesser a offense, yeah. but they are making it harder. This is actually the law. This is the standard, and they're trying to get the word out that kids, this is this is something you have to pay attention to. All right, we're going to move on. Up next, does Shannon O'Brien think it's time, high time, Brookline seceded from Norfolk County? <laughs> is Scott Lehigh going to miss hearing Tom Finneran on the radio? Does R.B. Scott think the Celtics have any chance of coming back against the Heat? We'll find out during our Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down segment. You're listening to the Emily Rooney Show from 89.7 WGBH. Boston Public Radio. Funding for our programs comes from you and the Boston Speaker Series, seven evenings at Symphony Hall with a lineup of speakers that includes two former presidents, a New York Times bestselling author, a miracle survival story, and much more. BostonSpeakerSeries.org. And SNH Construction. Yeah, SNH Construction uses all the WGBH multimedia formats. Doug Hanna, partner. We feel that it's really important to get our name out to WGBH radio listeners, and I feel that it's going to have a cumulative effect of just name recognition and some work. To learn more, visit WGBH.org sponsorship. I'm Callie Crossley. On the next Callie Crossley Show, it's our weekend Review. We look at the local news that went under the radar. We top off the hour with Ragtime, a roundup of the week's pop culture. That's today at 1 on 89.7 WGBH, Boston Public Radio. Saturday, July 14th, it's the WGBH Fun Fest. Cool off with some of the best ice cream around, like Ben & Jerry's Boston and Friendly's. Rock out to live performances from family favorites like Steve Songs, Ben Rudnick, Fluky and the Beans, Rick Golden, and others. Meet PBS Kids characters, enjoy rides, games, and more. Tickets are going fast, so don't delay. Get the whole scoop at WGBH.org funfest. MIT's 100K Entrepreneurship Competition has generated billions in profit in its 23-year history. Hear what ideas this year's competitors came up with on Innovation Hub, Saturday morning at 7 here on WGBH Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to the Emily Rooney Show. We lost our sound. We were going to play God Save the Queen. Oh. That's because this <laughs> is the... <laughs> I don't know what happened to our sound. Darn it. Anyway, it is Queen Elizabeth's Diamond Jubilee. It is time for our Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down segment on the People, Places, and And by the way, we're all wearing hats on air right now. You just don't know it. <laughs> I've done it before. We're talking to Shannon O'Brien, Scott Lee, hi, and R.B. Scott. Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down. Do you care about... The Diamond Jubilee. Oh, I'm consumed by it. <laughs> no, I don't care. Thumbs down. I think thumbs up. I actually watched the uh, Katie Couric. Oh, you did? Uh, How was that? I did. It actually was quite interesting. And um, having having seen uh, 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 the what was the the King's Speech or what was oh, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Having watched King's that English. movie, the King, whatever, <laughs> King's Speech. King's Speech. Having watched that movie, which I loved, I, did um, I think that it uh, it showed a different dimension of her having been brought up living a very very normal life until you know her her uncle abdicated. Yeah. And at ten years old, this little kid all of a sudden becomes. And then and it went through the whole. Um, 
you know, issue with what she did in World War II as a driver and as a mechanic. They have her under the hood. Thank you. I mean, totally no, but, it, but, I, but I found it so fascinating because the, the person that you see on television is so different. And, and the tabloid stuff that you read, if you're reading stuff about, again, back to my Inquirer background, when you read, <laughs> when you read about Princess Di and all this other stuff and she really didn't like Camilla, you realize what a truly, um, you know, historic history she has, especially, um, you know, in leading the, the English people sort of uh, emotionally during World War II. It was a very, very interesting piece. So going to change I, your vote, Scott? Yeah, based change on your that vote. She persuaded me. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't know that much about her. I thought it was very interesting. So. After that, what can I do but vote you thumbs go. up? I, you okay. know, I'm just uh, diamond anything. You know, six, 60 years, that's that's really incredible. The, 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 the truth of the matter is she's the only monarch of Britain that I've known in my entire lifetime, mm-hmm. and I'm old. Yes, yeah. exactly. Thumbs Although up. I do feel I'm a little bad deal. for Charles. <laughs> All right, listeners, get... you can't see this, but I am pulling out a bell, and that can only mean one thing. It's spelling bee time. This is one thumbs up, thumbs down. You will have to prove. All right, Scott, Shannon, and RB. Yesterday, Snigda Natapati, a California 8th grader, won the 85th Scripps National Spelling Bee. We're going to find out if our panel is as smart as this particular 8th grader. The word is, here we go, thumbs up, thumbs down. Can you spell, and you got to write it down and show it to me. Get a pawn. Get a pawn. Can you spell it? Don't give me, and Can I can't do the etymology. What's the word? I can't do the etymology. Can you use it in Get a, a sentence? Use it in a sentence, yeah, d- definition? Um, it's from the French. It means to ambush, snare, or trap. To ambush, snare, or trap. Get a poem. Got it, Scott? I got dun, it. Dun, 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 dun. Get, spell it. Read it, Scott. I've gone with get a paw. G-E-T. Oh. Shannon? G-U-E-T-E-P-A-N. Give me that again. G-U-E-T-E-P-A-N. Bingo. That's all no. because I saw it on no, television see it this morning. Show no, it up. I saw it on TV this morning. I'm cheating because I was fascinated. Right? I was fascinated with the six-year-old. I don't know no. if I did or not. No. no. Okay. Wrong. I knew the G-U-E part. Wrong. Like gear. Wrong. Go. I, I missed the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you write down? E-T-T-I-P-O-M-E. I didn't hear the G. <laughs> all right. Is G-U-E-T-A-P-E-N-S. E and S. So what? What is a French word doing in, a, in an English spelling? Oh, it's all question. foreign words. Oh, it's, it's, I, I saw yeah, several of them. Several. I, I would. I just want you to know. I wouldn't have gotten that one either. All right. Where's the rest of my thumbs up, thumbs down? Oh, that as long as you're not one. doing math, I'm all set. Yeah, Thank you were you very guys. nervous. All right. Here's my. Nervous. Okay. We always have a section mm-hmm. and thumbs up, thumbs down. It's this is the the weekly ban session. All right. Here we go for banning. Uh, let's see. Uh, starting with Shannon. Do you? Do you, thumbs up, thumbs down. You support Mayor Michael Bloomberg's ban on sugary drinks over 16 ounces. I do not support it. You just get two cups. It doesn't matter. It's silly. I'm going to, back to John Stuart Mill. That's self-directed behavior. I don't support the ban. Don't. Not at all. I agree. You can't be going around banning things like how big something can be. I mean, you know, you can put, you can, you know. They should I, just label it with I how many calories and fans. tell you what'll yeah, happen. They, 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 did you know that the movie theaters got an, um, a pass on that? Somebody was telling me that. Some oh, Corby Kummer was telling me that the other day. There was a huge lobbying effort on the part of yeah. the motion pictures, that, and they got a, unlike fast food restaurants that all have to say exactly what the calorie content is. If they're a chain over fifteen stores, all the movie, all the lows, all that got got a pass yeah. on that. Everyone should just have to post the calories on it. Yep, that's that's good. Thumbs up, thumbs down, RB, on Arlington's leaf blower ban. This, we should say, is motorized leaf blowers at certain hours during the day. What are the certain hours during the day? Oh, you know, I think like not before 9 o'clock in the morning and not after 7 o'clock at night, something I like think that. That's a good, I think that's a good idea. See, I, I, I don't know exactly how it's worded, but I, I, I don't think that people should be disturbing their neighbors on Saturday morning when you're trying to sleep. So if it's between certain hours and not just an overall ban, which I've seen in some communities, they just want to ban it altogether. I, I don't have a problem because I think that you're almost disturbing the peace anyway. This is what Mill would have called other <laughs> other directed behavior. Yeah. It inconveniences other people uh, primarily, and so I'm in favor of a ban. No, nope, can't do it. No bans. I'll tell you why. Like last weekend, my neighbor I was up at my lake house was stacking wood at six in the morning. 
It was unbearably noisy and woke me up with a start. I thought there was some animal. On, we're going to go around banning wood stacking too. No, but it, there's, but it there's, falls under. There's there's no that's why God invented guns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. How about let's jet skis? I'd like to put yeah. them in the oh, Jet skis, yeah. Yeah. motorcycles. You, that's a big favorite. There was loud pipes. That yeah. was unbelievable. Pipes. Last Save week, lives. Yeah. last Sunday, Monday, because well, I just come back. Sunday afternoon, downtown Boston, it was like 15 of them, Scott. I mean, they were like, well, I wanted to get the license plate. I didn't have a note paper with me. Mayor Menino won't enforce that. Yeah, that's bad. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm Mayor Menino for not reinforcing that. (laughs) 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 But that's another ban. All right, here we go. Here's another ban. Um, Banning those ugly little satellite dishes that are attached to the houses. Thumbs up, thumbs down on this, Scott. Um, The houses, you know, all over Eastia and all those places. Uh, Council in uh, Salamatina and Mayor uh, Tom Menino want want you to make sure that from now on, the extras, the, 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 the satellite dishes that are no longer in use or any new one, the satellite ones in you should be taken down, and the new one should be put in a way that is not on the front of the house or camp or out of sight. What do you think? Uh, I think that the rule is don't make moral judgments on aesthetic grounds. I would be against that ban. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of for it, and I'm ashamed of myself that I am. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's an aesthetic ban. Anything <laughs> yes. that's aesthetic. Aesthetically, I, I would be for it, but but I, I I don't think they should be banned. It's like banning. Well, they're just antennas. moving them. They're not banning them. They're just or banning them. clothes. Out. People want to clo- hang clothes on the line in Newton. And there, I think there was a ban on that. You say you can't put your clothes out. I mean, we can get a little too sort of precious, peck sniffing about this stuff. I agree. I, did I mention I'm ashamed of myself? But yeah, anyway. me too, but I'm with you on that one. All right, Shannon. I said I'd ask you this one. Thumbs up, thumbs down on Brookline seceding from Norfolk County. I can't even remember why, but knock yourselves out. Leave. Because they're 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 paying some of their real estate transaction taxes that go to pay for um, basically the courthouse and the the jail. I don't know. I, I I think thumbs down. I just don't think that it gets them anything, and I think that uh, you know I I think that it, it it needs to be something that's a broader issue that's dealt with at the state house. So thumbs down. I'm surprised they're so busy apologizing for slavery. I'm sure they have I'm surprised they have time for this. <laughs> I, I thought they wanted to align with Cambridge. Yeah. <laughs> they had some time some some time ago, but I'm a thumbs down on that as well. Yeah. I'm a thumbs up. Get out. Leave. <laughs> we don't need you. All right, moving right along here. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Tom Brady in the new Funny or Die video. Here is a little, the thumbs up, thumbs down, by the way, is whether it's funny. Here he is in a little clip from Funny or Die. It's actually an, um, an advertisement for uh, Under Armour, which is a product I actually really like. <laughs> hey, man, you must get so hot here all the time, right? Because your blood's thicker. You want me to grab you some water? Uh, no. Water? No. No. How about some baked beans? No, you know why? Because I'm not from Boston. I'm from California. I'm a native Californian. I went to Michigan. Now I play for New England. I'm the f-ing quarterback, you moron. Did you, all, did you all watch this? I watched it. I thought it was kind of funny. I'll give it a thumbs up. I give it complete, like, ten thumbs up if I had ten thumbs. I thought it was so funny. And what I liked about it is it wasn't him hugging a little lamb, which really embarrassed me when he did at that time taking the picture. I thought it was so much better and so much more manly what I want my quarterback to sound like. Definitely a thumbs up. I, I thought it was lame. <laughs> And slow, and you know, it needed to be sharply edited. Did you see it was him holding tedious. the lamb, though? This is so no, much I better. That oh one. my god! I, I, I get the whole thing in thumbs down. I mean, I, I don't know. And, and he must have been lame paid. and slow. You thought it was Drew Bledsoe. What? <laughs> 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 oh, they're rushing me along here. Oh, I got one time for one more. I don't even know what's good. All right, RB, thumbs up, thumbs down. Are the Celtics going to pull out at least one game? Over the heat. I don't know. That game the other night was, was about as they played about as well as they could play, and they they still lost. Although there's that terrible foul on on Rondo there that should have been called that wasn't. Uh, <laughs> we always blame somebody so, else. So, so blame well, that, that was pretty egregious, I have to say. And and uh, I, I think they're going to pull one out Me yet, too. but it's going to be very very tough. I think they're beaten up, and uh, they, they, the fact they won seven games in the in the uh, first round. Uh, didn't do them any favors. Thumbs up. What do you think, Scott? I think they will win the two here, and the and oh, the fifth wow. game will be the crucial game back there in Miami, wow. and I think they'll win it. Oh, my gosh. That's optimistic. I, I think they're going to win at least one here, but I think that they're tired. I think they're kind of beat up. But, you know, I, I think they have a great attitude. They didn't whine after the game. No, they, they didn't. Lost. It was great. They did not whine. I'm going to admit I don't know. All right. My thanks to Shannon O'Brien, Scott Lehigh, and R.B. Scott. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be back Monday at noon. Big data. What exactly is it? And why is MIT and the state betting big on it? Stay with us now for the Kelly Crossley Show coming up next. And tonight on my television show, Beat the Press, WBZ is hard-pressed to explain how an enterprise report 
report they did on dubious state leases practically mirrors an investigative report done by Commonwealth Magazine. We'll have that tonight at 7 on Channel 2. The Emily Rooney Show is a production of WGBH Radio on the web at WGBH.org, Boston Public Radio. I'm Emily Rooney. Have a great afternoon.